Hey y'all, episode 9. Um, the last couple episodes have been kind of on the heavier side. So I'm going to try to lighten it up a little bit. Uh, I haven't told the story of the how I how I came to take LSD the first time when I was 11. It's, um, oh, do you like the background better? <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of an aesthetic type of a person. Um, and I find as I get older, I'm even becoming anal about certain things. So I look at those videos and, uh, that I've done and I think, oh gosh, you know, first of all, I should do something with my hair. So today I'm wearing a hat. The days that I wore a hat look better than the other days. And also the background, you know, uh, this is a nice background. I think it's in our living room and um, some pictures on the back. Um, anyway, um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Um, the the It's kind of a long story because there's a lot involved in it. Uh, so I don't know how much of it I, I'll get to but um, first thing I need to do is set my clock I always forget to set a clock so I know roughly uh, roughly what I'm doing that'll be that'll be our warning a <laughs> 15 minute warning <laughs> okay um, so when when I was eleven, it started when I was ten. Uh, uh, no, I think I was eleven, probably. Um, mother and Bryce bought a old bus. They bought a um, um, it was a Ford, fifty uh, something Ford school bus, and fifty uh, eight. I can't remember. Um, I've got some pictures of it, and uh, actually there was a, uh, my, my stepfather kept a journal. He called it the, uh, the log for the, for the bus and the trips that the bus took. Uh, my sister got uh, in a bad way and ripped it up. Most of it is torn up, which is unfortunate. Uh, she took some of the pictures out of it, and I guess she kept them, but she destroyed a lot of the pictures and, and some of the writing um, in, when she was in one of her uh, altered states, let's just put it that way, um, which is unfortunate. But there's still some information in there, so I could, like if I was writing a book, I'd, I'd look up what year it was and how big the motor was and all that stuff. But in my memory, I have all of these memories of stripping the the seats out of the bus and putting in a plywood floor and paneling and then building the bus into a camper. And we had lots of help. We had lots of help from uh, friends. Uh, like 90% of them were these college age friends again. And uh, a lot of them were moving themselves. They were leaving Alabama. Alabama wasn't the place to be for a hippie. So uh, Tom, I remember very clearly Tom, um, I can't remember his last name. I think it was Cox. Um, and, uh, a guy named John, uh, who was a musician friend of Bryce's. He was an older, I don't think he was college age. Um, and, um, 
Actually, Tom might have been slightly older too. He might have been like LaDonna's age. I think he was actually. And that might have been how we connected with LaDonna. I, I can't remember. But um, we do d days of work. And, uh, and, you know, Bryce worked on it continuously, but people would come and help. And when, when it got to painting the bus, we painted it white. And then in pink lettering, we wrote uh, Yin Yang bus line on it. So it was a white bus with this pink lettering Yin Yang bus line. And inside, the, we, the upholstery we used was purple and pink with big flowers, like typical 60s, you know, uh, kind of schmaltzy 60s stuff, really. Although the Yin Yang bus line, that was pretty cool. I, I do have some pictures of the bus in there. It's pretty cool to see them. I can't remember what happened to the bus. Um, I know it was there before I moved into the cabin by myself, but regardless. So the first journey we took with the bus when it was finished, there's other stories about the bus. And again, if writing a book, and a, that is my intention to eventually uh, compose a book, although it might just be an audio book, um, that I, I'll include pictures and more stories about the fixing up of the bus. But the first trip was to go to Alberta. Um, so from Birmingham to Alberta and then from Alberta out to Vancouver Island and then from Vancouver Island down California and then back across through Utah and home again. So um, in, in the journey, the journey was, again, I didn't know it at the time, but I found out later as, as a child in that when, when we got back from the trip that my mom and Bryce were planning to move to Canada. Uh, it was a secret. Not everybody was supposed to know about it. Um, so we went to Alberta because Bryce's family had a farm where he had grown up or, you know, spent a lot of his childhood on that farm, on the border of Alberta and, uh, what is it, Montana? I can't even remember. Idaho? Whatever. Uh, I think it was Montana. My geography could be all screwed up. Whatever, it was right on the border. Uh, there was an international, or there was a national park across called, called uh, uh, Indian Chief Mountain, or Chief's Head Mountain, or something like that. Um, I could look it all up. I didn't. I'm on the fly here. Um, so anyway, we went to, to that ranch for the first few weeks of the summer. We drove across... Uh, the states to Salt Lake City, picked up Joe uh, and his two sisters, which, uh, Julie and Jill, um, so my stepsisters, this was not, I don't, I think we had met them before, I think they had come to Alabama once before, I don't think it was the first time meeting them, um, my memory is cloudy on that, um, I could ask Joe, I'm sure he'll let me know after he sees the this episode, Um and from there, we went up to Alberta and spent the summer. We went through uh, St. Louis. There was an old family friend of Bryce's, uh, um, a man and his wife, and he had two daughters. Uh, there's stories around them, too. Anyway, they he was a plastic surgeon, and he had like a what would now be like a half a million or three-quarters of a million dollar mobile home, you know, one of the buses converted to a mobile home. So... Um, they were coming up to the farm too. They were good friends with uh, Bryce's dad. Um, actually, I think the woman was good friends with Bryce's dad, and that's, that's there's some yeah, there's some uh, 
interesting stuff there too. Anyway, let that one go. Um, so we got up to Alberta. We spent the summer there. Fantastic memories, great memories, getting to know Joe, Julie, and Jill and uh, spending time on the ranch and, and uh, other members of Bryce's family were there. His, uh, his uh, dad, I think his mom was there too. I can't remember. They were selling the, the ranch and I, my understanding is that with the proceeds from the sale of the ranch, uh, uh, Paul and Joy, Paul, my step-grandfather, and Joy, my step-grandmother, I never called them step, I just considered them grandparents. Uh, they were going to split up, not divorce, just split up. Uh, Joy wanted to live in the city and Paul wanted to live in the country or urban areas. So they took the sale of the ranch, the proceeds, and split it. That's my understanding. Maybe wrong. I'd have to confirm that if I was again, writing a book. Um, so it was kind of the last hurrah for the ranch. So it seems like during that time, virtually all of Bryce's siblings were there. Uh, that's my memory. Sometimes those memories get foggy, cloudy. Uh, so it, great time. And lots of stories just in that few weeks on the ranch. From the ranch, we went to Vancouver Island where Paul had already uh, purchased some land um, and, and Joy had already purchased a house. So I guess the, the ranch had already sold when we were there. It was just before possession exchange, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I was pretty young to have that kind of knowledge. But uh, we went to Qualicum first where Paul had bought some land. We visited with him, had a good time uh, in Qualicum, got to look around and see what it was about. Pretty small place at the time. Like I don't think there was more than maybe 1,200 people in Qualicum at that time, 69, 1969. You know, maybe maybe two thousand, but I kind of doubt it. Um, everybody knew everybody, so when we came to town, it was big news. I'm sure uh, with our big pink bus, and we actually picked up in Alberta. We picked up a horse's skull and a set of moose antlers, and they were mounted over top of the uh, of the window, the the windows. So up on the top, <laughs> it was like this creature, this moose moose horns and. It was pretty bizarre. Look, I'm sure, I'm sure people were freaking out as we drove through town. Look at that. <laughs> Whatever. That was then. Uh, so then we, from from Qualicum, we went down to Victoria and spent a little bit of time with Joy down at her house. And she lived, I think it's called Oak Bay. Um, I mean, I kind of know Victoria pretty well. I think it's part of Oak Bay and there's a graveyard down there right, right on the water. Um like it, 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 it's the graveyard has an ocean view. It's it's a fantastic. And she lived like maybe f not even a full block away from that graveyard. Um, so we spent time in the graveyard and down on the beach. There's a seawall there, and went down on the beach and the seawall. And there was signs up about pollution in the water. Don't swim in the water because at that time, and actually right up until just recently, Victoria just dumped all of their raw sewage right into the ocean and it just washed back up on the beach. Kind of disgusting, but that was what they did. <laughs> and uh, that's what everybody did at one point, at one time. So anyway, the after the Victoria trip, we went down to California. Like there's stuff to talk about about Victoria too. Uh, nothing really dramatic happened. Um, I discovered that Joy was a, a, a masseuse, quote unquote. She was a, 
she was making a living by uh, entertaining men. And I don't think on her part it was sexual. I think she was just being um, being company for, for lonely men. Um, and it certainly doesn't fit my my as I got to know her. Like it doesn't fit her persona that I got to know. Um, that, that's one of the things that's always kind of troubled me about my memories. But anyway, I, I mean, I'm sure I could talk to some. Paula, Bryce's sister, still lived with Joy at that time. Um, so um, I'm sure I could talk to her. She's moved to Greece, so I don't see her much, but I can still message her. I probably will. Uh, at some point. Anyway, off to California. We drove down the coast. My memory is that we took the coastal highway uh, and in a bus it was kind of nauseating. <laughs> Maybe we only took it for part of the way and then took the I-5 for part of the way because that would have been very difficult to uh, to traverse that whole coastal highway in that bus. Once we got to San Francisco, we knew... A fair number of people in the San Francisco area. Um, Tom had already moved there, I believe, uh, from Alabama. And uh, I can't remember. I think even at that time, he had in, he ended up with an apartment right on Haight Street, which was just a few blocks, or not even, like, yeah, a block and a half to two blocks. I don't think it was even three blocks down from Golden Gate Park. And, and uh, so now that, that became an infamous uh, hippie area. Uh, and he lived, he lived there. Uh, and I know we went and saw him there later uh, when I was 12. So um, this is all 69. I was 11. Um, anyway, uh, then a bunch of us that we met up in and new people that we met in San Francisco, we went out to, um, mill mill Valley dam. Now I did look it up and there, the mill Valley dam has been filled back, filled in. They filled it in because from what I read, there was so many hippies going out there that it just, it disrupted the local community to such a degree that they filled the dam in. It wasn't being used for, anything that was critical you know i think they might have been using it for a water source or something but even then whatever all the hippies swimming in it naked wasn't wasn't going to be appealing or appetizing for people drinking the water so uh, anyway there are pictures of it now uh, all filled in and if you look hard enough you can find pictures of hippies hanging around and swimming in the in the dam and I was talking to one person I said oh the Mill Valley Dam and they said there's no dam in Mill Valley and I'm like oh that's why I looked it up because there is a dam in Mill Valley or there was a dam in Mill Valley and it is no longer um so that was interesting but that's we went out there and it was a great place I remember sh uh, trees shading the dam shading the area around it was a park-like setting and there was Quite a few people, like 99% hippie types. And uh, again, like I mentioned, swimming nude in the river and just having a good time being hippie community, right? At that time, the whole thing was uh, pretty much uh, flower children, flower child stuff. Uh, so 
as we were there, uh, it's going to be a long one again. As we were there, I might edit something out. Um, a bunch of the people, like, I, it, I assume it was planned. We went there. They were planning on taking LSD. My memory is it was earlier in the day, like 10 o'clock, maybe 11 o'clock before lunch. And they were going to take a, take acid and, and uh, have a trip out there. And um, Joe and I, um, I remember me specifically pleading with my mother to, to allow Joe and I to to partake of the uh, LSD. And she was reluctant, but, you know, um, to her credit, question mark, I don't know, uh, to adhere to her worldview about letting kids do whatever they want, she uh, acquiesced. And uh, Joe and I split a half a tab of Orange Sunshine again. This was the first time, the, and this was... This is phenomenal acid. Like you can't trust. That was pretty much the only acid you could trust, um, for sure. Like other stuff, you would have to you would have questions about. But if it came from from that source, the Sunshine Barrel, or in Sunshine Barrel, then uh, you were guaranteed a good trip. I don't remember a lot. I think I mentioned it before. I don't remember a lot of the specifics of that trip, um, but. Uh, the overall feeling or memory was one of uh, uh, calmness, peace. Um, It's like I was, uh, I feel like something changed in me from that time, and I'm sure it did. I guarantee it did. Um, And where you go from there, I don't know. Like, in one of the other... uh, uh, post podcasts I did I sang a song and there's a line in, at the end of the song where it says everybody's living in their own head and walking in their own shoes and that's a, I mean most of us understand that but if you think about it like spend a few seconds and just think about all the conversations that happen in your own head and and then the de- the decisions that you make uh, walking in your own shoes and then the 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 um, consequences of those decisions sleeping in your own bed you we all have that so i feel like at that time there was still there was protection on me and i suspect on joe too and then from there how we internalize uh and live out that that uh experience are are those those three things of uh, talking in your own head And, and another thing is is like you know, I talk a lot about God. I mean, the whole thing to me is about God. It's about it's about Jesus. I mean, it's and and the, the Bible. We make a mistake. We read. I mentioned this before too. I run out of time. I don't get to say everything, but we read the Bible. It's chopped up, segmented, and we we extract scripture and and we we. Um, we form formulate what we want it to mean, and I think there's a mistake. I know there's a mistake in that. Um, it is it is different books written by different authors, different authors, but it's one story. And the story, believe me, if you really look at it, uh, the story is all about about Jesus. It's all about like uh, it's all about the story of Christ coming to Israel two thousand years ago. And his life there. Now, I'm not talking about a religion. Uh, you know, that's 
I'm not saying religion's bad. Religion can be bad or good. I'm just not talking about a religion. I'm talking about a relationship. And in in a relationship, there's there's needs to be dialogue. And um, one of the things we do is we pray. We pray when we're in trouble and we pray to God for certain things or God do this. Or if, we try to make deals with God. And that that's fine. I mean, even that's okay. But we don't listen. We don't uh, spend a few seconds, a few minutes to listen because there's something for us to hear. And another time I mentioned in one of the other podcasts, like, do I think I'm bigger than God that I can tell him he's right or wrong? I mean... Who made who? He made me. I didn't make him. Can the potter, can the pottery tell the potter what to do with it? No. So we're getting into some deeper theological and philosophical questions here. Uh, There is one thing I was thinking about, and that is there's a fellow who was a Christian philosopher, Francis Schaeffer. he was a he was raised in a non-Christian home. Not he had no understanding of the Bible at all. And he read the Bible, like he went on to, I think, in Texas, University of, somewhere in Texas, University of Dallas, or I, I thought it was a technical school. I thought he was going to be an engineer, but I can't remember. And he decided to read the Bible, and he just picked it up and he read it. And he had such a sharp mind, he was able to fairly quickly um, understand that it was more than just a bunch of stories put together that there was something in it. There was a thread in it. Francis Schaeffer became a very unique individual in the Christian community, Christian history. Uh, you can look him up too or ask me. I'll send you some information. He wrote uh, a number of excellent books, a lot of excellent books. They're, they're thinking books. Um, they're not stories necessarily. They're books to cause you to question and think and, and begin a dialogue with God, the God of the Bible. And um, I guess what I'm saying is out of that LSD trip, I learned the value and the importance of being alone, being aware that I was alone, um, having conversations in my head, either with myself or with God. Um, And the fruit of that. I encourage you, get alone, seek God. I'm not talking religion, just seek God, seek the truth. Um, And I I say you're not going to find it unless you're looking in the Bible. People would argue that, and that's why, I mean, I didn't finish my train of thought last time when I talked about Buddhism and and Indian religions, but uh, that's, that's the way it is. Hey, uh, it, it really, if you have any questions, send me a, a text, comment. You can comment on the YouTube page. Um, I don't know if you can comment on the podcasting pages or not, but uh, or you can send me a, a, a message, Facebook Messenger. Sorry, this one's a little long, and I don't know what song I'm going to sing yet, but there will be a song. Um, see you next time. So this is a, uh, a tune I... Or a song I wrote after drinking a bit back in I can't even remember exactly some sometime in the 2000s maybe 2010 era um, 
and uh, it has, has a similarity to uh, Whiter Shade of Pale, but it's not Whiter Shade of Pale. And also, uh, just for the record, Whiter Shade of Pale was inspired by Bach. Uh, Air on a G-string, and uh, what was the other one? It was uh, Sleeper Awake. But it, it wasn't Bach. So, I mean, we have some similarities, but it's not the same.
way to see Help me to understand Help me to feel Everything I need to feel Help me to see Help me to understand Help me to feel Give me a humble Heart of humility It's not something that comes naturally to my soul But I must understand that I am I'm just a fallen man Give me love, give me peace, give me joy. Give me patience and humility. Oh. And give me justice and mercy too.